that we are doing, we're muddling along, as many people do. We are not professionals. We do not have people talking in our ears about how to pronounce words correctly. And that people can choose to be charmed by that, or they can go but listen to something not, else. That's also not, like, it's, it's not so uh, obscure recording. pronunciation. We're recording. This is episode 243 of the Anarchist News Podcast, a digest and or conversations on anarchist activity, ideas, and comments from the previous week on anarchistnews.org. What's new this week? 34 years squat from an email. Latest installment in the ongoing state incursions onto changes that were made at the end of the dictatorship in Greece. Now, a squat in one of the universities, which are supposed to be off limits to state power, is being threatened with quote-unquote reconstruction. Quote, after an online search at the Ministry of Digital Governance and Transparency program webpage, we found out that on September 16th, 2021, there was a post for an ongoing project titled Reconstruction Needs for the School of Sciences Neighboring Building, commissioned for many euros. Can't read that number. Leave me alone. One of the stipulates was to complete the project within 16 months from the signed agreement and start the demolition of the marked walls within four months until January 2022. From the layout plans, it is clear that they intend to repurpose the squatted space as a waiting area, something extremely viable for the functionality of the school. The immediate threat for eviction comes directly by rectors and contractors who have already started remodeling the unused spaces. During a period when the student community is under attack through the legislation of anti-education bills and imperative security measures to place university cops within the campus, the university prefers to focus on remodeling, unquote. Squat the world. That's 24-year squat. Half nudity. Is that like the um, uh, optimistic version of half-clothed? From nudism is illegalism. A look at the varying aspects of going shirtless, including the practice of men in China that has its own name, which I will not try to pronounce because tonal languages, y'all, that is lifting one's shirt up to fan one's belly. It's a little anthropology, a little cross-cultural querying, a little poking at gendered activity, and the question of what something means when we do something versus when our parents do the same thing, etc. This writer is usually fun, and while I don't share his passion, I am glad he has it and is sharing it with us. Quote, Before that, on the actual evening of October 31st one year, when I was still in university, I was walking the short distance from my house to the place where a Halloween party was happening. I was a jungle commando, like a Rambo type of person, and my costume did not include a shirt. Some guys around my age called me a faggot when I walked by. At the party, as a girl was leaving, she approached me to tell me that I should wear deodorant. And hey, she may have had a point there, I don't remember. But also that I looked disgusting. Unquote. Sasha Kolzianko, Soul and Conscience of Breast Anarchism, from promen.io by CN. This is lacking context, but it is personal reminiscences and character references for someone who seems to be imprisoned for anarchist activity in Belarus. This text is not asking for help for him or anything, just saying that he's a good guy, a good anarchist, and that he's been around for a long time. The translation is not perfect, but what is? Quote, the breast anarchist has never tried to become a leader. He has never played the first role. He worked hard and diligently in the name of his idea, demanding neither fame nor recognition, though he was undoubtedly an important link in the movement, charging people with energy and uniting them. This is why he got caught up in the flywheel of oppressions. 
I knew that sooner or later they would come for him. Most likely, he also knew and was ready for it. Unquote. Good luck to Sasha. Write an anarchist prisoner today. Lessons of the COVID Mutual Aid Projects from Freedom UK by Anna Kay. This is a brief look at the up and down sides of the assistance that anarchists gave to people in need under the name of mutual aid. Quote, perhaps most damningly, while the rise of mutual aid groups shamed both government and the third sector, we failed to transform this into a clearly articulated critique of the government's handling of the pandemic, let alone a movement capable of opposing it. Instead of raising collective consciousness, COVID mutual aid was all too easily assimilated into the nationalist blitz spirit narrative. Indeed, the cynically minded might argue that COVID mutual aid came painfully close to the red Tory dream of a big society, filling the space left by a retreating state. Editorial note, in fact, between print and online publication of this article, both liberals and Tories tried on exactly that idea. Unquote. The blitz spirit, of course, alluding to the historical memory of people cooperating during World War II that has been romanticized and internalized by many Brits. Anna Kay thinks one of the problems was that a political analysis should have been introduced earlier. I would argue the politics of the activity speak for themselves, i.e. charity versus mutual aid, but maybe she and others will at some point recognize that preaching at folks is also not great. Whatever. We can be hopeful for a second in a new year, right? Chilean prisons in the context of the elections from Contra Info, translated by Anarchist News. Some pretty hard-ass rhetoric about the complicity of those who vote. Quote, we have the certainty that regardless of the result of the electoral results in this plebiscite, essentially nothing will change. Even going beyond these junctures, who's vying for the administration and the management of oppression, the institutional world, and therefore elections, has never been ours. In this way, whoever votes, whoever freely opts for investing in the authority of another, is as responsible as the ruler that will give the orders to kill, militarize, and imprison. Whoever votes is deciding via suffrage to delegate part of their autonomy to strengthen the chain of oppression, and therefore the state." The text goes on to call out those who call themselves subversives, rebels, anarchists, etc., yet promote participation in elections and even specific candidates. Can we get an amen? Also, of course, this hits different when it's from people who are inside prison. That was in the context of the elections. Blood on your hands from Promen.io. A short heads up that serious torture is happening in Russian prisons of anarchists as well as others, which has already led to one inmate attempting suicide. Quote, we are well aware that anarchist activists have repeatedly faced beatings by the punitive authorities, but since... August 2020, the cops no longer have any breaks at all. This blatant sadism existed in the so-called law enforcement agencies even before the protests began, unquote. As an Anon noted, these kinds of practices make it harder to rationalize submitting to arrest. Write an anarchist prisoner today. Holiday message from Dan Baker, December 25th, 21, from Mongoose Distro. Dan writes us on Christmas as a way to reach out. This letter explains some of the bullshit that guards pull in prisons, including instigating fights between prisoners over scarce sanity-assisting resources like phones and computers, and then how he managed to find solace in an old movie. An endearing letter full of appreciation and suggestions. It's nice that he's getting support. That was Holiday Message from Dan. Newsletter, Autistischti, 
autistic. Why is that the funny one? Why are you laughing at that? You're having such a hard time. Because it's, it's the ishy at the end. It's not ishy, it's itchy. Itchy. Well, I mean, not itchy. It's, it's softer. Don't be so American. Newsletter, Autistici Inventati 2021. From kavalet.noblogs.org. The folks behind this newsletter remind us why they're doing it, what they offer that's new, and provide a list of links for folks to find out more about issues that are, quote, near and dear to their collective hearts, unquote. Most of them are in English and are explaining why digital life is overrated slash not a thing. There's also a downloadable book on hacktivism and digital infrastructure, newly translated to English. Sean Swain's transfer from Final Straw. Quote, this week's segment is Sean's statement given to the interstate compact hearing he was to face before the foregone conclusion of his transfer far from his spouse and support base. If you want to write to Sean, for the moment, it's a good idea to send to his Youngstown address until his support site says otherwise, but also to hold on to a copy of your letter in case he's been moved and ODRC doesn't send back your original. You can find info on how to support his legal campaign. Donations can be made via Cash App to Swainiac1969, etc., etc. Unquote, to write an anarchist prisoner today. From libertarian communism to corporate socialism. From... A las barricadas, translated by Anarchismo. Quote, We, that is, a las barricadas, echo this historical review on the various positions that the CNTFAI took along the Spanish Revolution. It is not usually easy to understand the complexity of a historical moment in which so many things were happening at the same time. We consider basic to understand the tactical ups and downs of any revolutionary movement in a historical moment in order to be able to learn something for our future struggles, unquote. This essay attempts to be an exploration of the nuances of the situation for the CNTFAI in revolutionary Spain. It would take someone more historically minded than I am to report on its successes and failures when it accepts a framework unnecessarily and what it emphasizes or de-emphasizes to any given effects. To the extent that historical accounts can point to dangers in today's thinking and action, then maybe this essay will be helpful. Or maybe it will help people delude themselves further along the lines of, next time we'll do better. Or, you know, maybe both. Explosive Attack Against National Gendarme Directive from Noticias de la Guerra Social, translated by Anarchist News. This is more than just a communique, but it's also a communique. Quote, via email, the action would be claimed by Black Vengeance. According to the text, it's the same group that attacked a precinct in 2020. The text give, gives details about the use of an industrial explosive in addition to munitions in the explosive device, making an open call to expand this type of practice, to practice solidarity with prisoners, and to expand the use of their name, and then finally giving a greeting to other action groups. Unquote. Many anarchist prisoners are mentioned, reminding us what solidarity means. That was explosive attack against National Gendarme Directive. Still fighting against the odds. From Crime Thing. These are snapshots by Greek anarchists of what has happened in Greece in 2021. Lockdown, murder of Roma youth Nikos Sabanis, harsher laws targeting Molotov specifically, big protests on November 17th and again on December 6th, the dire situation of refugees, and Omicron. Quote, we encourage everyone to demonstrate outside prisons this New Year's Eve to show solidarity with prisoners. We hope that 2022 will be another year of resilience despite the hardships we all face under capitalism. 
After last year's lockdown, seeing proof that the movement here will never cease to exist inspires tremendous openness. Revolutionary solidarity to all those struggling against the state and capitalism. Unquote. That was still fighting against the odds. The time has come for my war to be heard from darknights.noblogs.org. An anarchist who tried to act alongside groups and individuals is told not to participate. Quote, I did not fall into the trap of dogmatism. I did not stop my activity just because most collectives and squats do not represent post-left anarchy, pure negation, direct action, and informalism. Whenever and wherever I could, I showed my solidarity in practice, from participating in postering to taking part in protests, and only out of personal desire because I was tired from complete isolation in Athens. But some did not appreciate it, and worse, they turn against me, unquote. Apparently, the author is affiliated with a group that did something bad nine years ago and is frustrated that people are refusing to interact with them now, even though they were not around nine years ago and have nothing to do with the conflict. This is some infighting stuff that isn't totally clearly explained, and of course it's only one side of what happened, but hang out long enough and you'll have your own examples of people holding you accountable for something you didn't do. Just wait. That was time for my war. Position of ABC Belarus on the situation with Dmitry Dubovsky from Anarchist Black Cross Belarus. Jesus fucking Christ. This is a brief explanation of what seems to be the situation with anarchist prisoner Dubovsky cooperating with the state. The text is both an exercise in real life, given the untrustworthy sources, right-wing media, and the fact that Dubovsky was being tortured. Quote, only a year later, the anarcho-partisans shared with their relatives information about the torture and violence inflicted on them by the state. According to Dubovsky, he started to testify because of the torture. At the same time, he did not repent in his testimony, but continued to support the political side of the case. The sentence of 18 years of imprisonment showed that Dubovsky had not made any deal with the investigation and had not received any benefit from his testimony, except for stopping the torture, unquote. Support victims of torture, write an anarchist prisoner today. Sudan, anarchists against the military dictatorship from Crime Think. Shit is going down in Sudan with protests against a military dictatorship that took power in October 2021 and cops killing and wounding many protesters. This is mostly an interview in two parts with some Sudanese anarchists. The interviewees are iconic of new anarchist protesters with idealism and faith in their fellow revolutionaries. The kind of thing that's most likely when fighting obvious dictators. Quote, question, how have people been responding to anarchists? What is the relationship of anarchists to the broader protests in the social movement? Answer, the people are polarized about the anarchist movement, but what matters to us is that our fellow revolutionaries are in cohesion and complete solidarity with us. We are together with them in the struggle to subvert the fascist system and to create a horizontal system, organizationally speaking, and a socialist system, economically speaking. The demands of the revolution are very similar to ours, unquote. Best of luck to them in the coming multi-layered difficulties. That was Sudanese anarchists. <coughs> Audio and video. Organization, repression, burnout, action. From It's Going Down. Three fucking hours, y'all. Three hours. A conversation between three fairly big-name white dudes, at least fairly big in anarchist circles, talking about organizing and history. It's a fundraiser for IGD. There's some useful organizing and historical info here, especially if you're just starting out. 
Most people got to do this stuff, test it out, see what works, and you know what fucking doesn't. In Space the Place, from Immediatism.com, quote, These four semi-surreal anarchist essays look at space exploration as answering, or not answering, the needs and desires of anarchists. In the manifesto, we are shown a vision of space exploration and colonization as exploitative and echoing the errors of the conquest of the Americas. If, that is, exploration can even get that far in the limited time left ahead of us by slow civilizational decline or sudden collapse. Unquote. The physical book of Is Space the Place is adorable. Just saying. Bad news. With a circle A for the A in bad. Bad. (laughs) (laughs) Jesus Christ. Bad News, episode 51, December 2021. From A-Radio Network. Ah. Otherwise it sounds like A-Radio. Ah, okay. Bad News, episode 21. (laughs) Bad News, episode 51, December 2021. From A Radio Network. An hour and ten minutes. Bad News does its thumbnails of stories from around the world, including fascism and right-wing extremism, as demonstrated in Holly and Dan Baker from Final Straw, an update on Dmitry C. Bukovsky and Anastasia Safanova from Frequenz A Radio Collective, news about femicides in Greece from Free Social Radio, an interview with Bulgarians from Cherna Luknia's radio student, and Thomas Meyer Falk and Rainer Lohnert, two very long-term anarchist prisoners in Germany from Anarchist Radio Vienna. That was bad news. Episode 11, That Holy Anarchist. Episode 11 from MKE Lit Supply Podcast, an hour and 20 minutes. A talk with a Christian anarchist named Sabo. I had to go look up what That Holy Anarchist is, and confusingly, it's both a book by Myers and Stenwick, and also the six-page zine referenced here, written by Sabo. Also, the zine references the book. Wee! There are two hosts, one of whom is also a Christian anarchist, so it's a friendly conversation. The talk is about Kierkegaard, blind faith, existentialism, etc. One of the hosts acts like they don't know anything, which does function to get the guest to explain himself, so I guess that works out. There is a lot of comparisons of the U.S. with biblical Rome. I think that it's good to understand where these folks are coming from, and people's stories of how they got to where they are can be interesting. I got about 40 minutes in. See how far you get. That was That Holy Anarchist, episode 11. On this segment of A Reading from the Anarchist Library, I will be reading an excerpt from the recently uploaded scene titled Unknowable Against Indigenous Anarchist Theory by Klee Benali. The segment I will be reading is titled The Disharmony of Anarchist Identity and Solidarity. There is a push by settler leftists, particularly by those entangled in the academic industry, to define an indigenous anarchism. They come as inchoate anthropologists with their half-shoot hypothesis in their mouths, speaking for us before we have spoken. Perhaps the impulse is a moment to celebrate for some. 
as the alternatives are to continue the status quo towards our social death and the fulfillment of colonial future, or to compete for equal access to coercive power through revolutionary leftist propositions. But settler sciences and politics can only define what we are not. Their reference point is European thought that slaughtered their own indigenous understandings long ago. For the better part of its articulated existence, anarchism has been a response to power in the context of European cycles of social domination, exploitation, and dehumanization. And so the expectation for indigenous peoples to answer with a clear ideological and political response is in many ways a project that, unintentionally, serves to justify settler colonial identity and existence. It is an insidious survival strategy, veiled as an overture of political solidarity. So why should indigenous peoples join the chorus of this death rattle, when the killing of a settler colonial future is what we mean when we pronounce indigenous liberation? The project of politicizing indigenous identity produces indigenous actors assuming roles in a political theater that ultimately alienates our autonomy. But if we study civil movements in the so-called U.S., apparently this is how we qualify for solidarity. It would appear that we would naturally find affinity with those asking and answering the question, how can we live our lives free from authoritarian constraint? Yet the terms of affinity or solidarity have almost always been skewed towards the pursuit of a settler colonial future. Indigenous peoples constantly have had to justify our existence in political terms to be suitable for support. This false solidarity has never been mutual. It has existed as an instrument of settler colonial assimilation. It seeks to justify itself through captivating indigenous peoples rather than examining how it is itself a product, perpetuator, and benefactor of settler colonial domination. There is nothing more contradictory than an autonomous settler asserting a standard for which indigenous autonomy should be justified. To make this point clear, early American anarchists never declared war against colonialism. One of the most prominent representatives of the early anarchist tendency on these lands, Walterine Declare, celebrated colonial violence against indigenous peoples in her 1912 essay, Direct Action, that it has never in all these years of study, come to the attention of students of anarchism. To address her example as settler colonial defense against indigenous peoples is a glaring reality of the blind spot that European-descended anarchists continue to maintain. In her essay, Declare stated, Another example of direct action in early colonial history, but this time by no means of the peaceable sort, was the affair known as Bacon's Rebellion. All our historians certainly defend the action of the rebels in that matter, for they were right, and yet it was a case of violent direct action against lawfully constituted authority. For the benefit of those who have forgotten the details, let me briefly remind them that the Virginia planters were in fear of a general attack by the Indians, with reason. Being political actionists, they asked, or Bacon as their leader asked, that the governor grant him a commission to raise volunteers in their own defense. I am quite sure that the political action at all costs advocates of those signs, after their reaction came back into power, must have said, see to what evils direct action brings us. Behold the progress of the colony has been set back 25 years, forgetting that if the colonists had not resorted to direct action, their scalps would have been taken by the Indians a year sooner, emphasis added. Instead of a number of them being hanged by the governor, 
a year later. In the period of agitation and excitement preceding the revolution, there were all sorts and kinds of direct action, from the most peaceable to the most violent, and I believe that almost everybody who studies United States history finds the account of these performances the most interesting part of the story, the part which dents into the memory most easily." End quote. Declare, like most early anarchists in the U.S., critiqued authority, domination, and coercion, yet glorified the brutality of colonial conquest as an exemplary, unmediated act. The deeper story of Bacon's 1675-1676 rebellion is that this colonial invader went against British authority and manipulated Okanishi warriors to assist in his attack against the Susquehannock, who were defending their homelands. After their raid, Bacon's white militia immediately turned on their Okanishi allies and massacred men, women, and children. That this analysis has remained unchallenged is remarkable, considering that 30 years after this rebellion, settler militias like Bacon's transformed from black slave and Indian patrols into the first police forces in America. We can also look to Cindy Milstein's 2010 book, Anarchism and Its Aspirations, for more recent examples of settler colonial advocacy. While the majority of the book succinctly states what anarchism is about, in the section on direct democracy, Milstein states, quote, We forget that democracy finds its radical edge in the great revolutions of the past, the American Revolution included. For Milstein, settler colonial violence was a reconcilable complication. Quote, this does not mean that the numerous injustices tied to the founding of the United States should be ignored or, to use a particularly appropriate word, whitewashed. The fact that native peoples, blacks, women, and others were, and often continue to be, exploited, brutalized, and or murdered wasn't just a sideshow to the historic event that created this country. Any movement for direct democracy has to grapple with the relation between this oppression and the liberatory movements of the American Revolution. Milstein then states, quote, At the same time, one needs to view the revolution in the context of its times and ask, in what ways was it an advance? And later calls for, quote, a second American Revolution. Settler colonialism, by definition, is involuntary association. Colonizers who are anarchists still maintain an implicit position of domination over indigenous peoples and lands, which is unmistakably contrary to anti-authoritarianism. This has been incongruously apparent in primitivist green anarchists and rewilding tendencies that have been wrought with cultural appropriation, fetishism, and erasure. Without consent, without meaningful relationality with indigenous peoples, Settler colonizer anarchists in the so-called U.S. will always have to face this deep contradiction. Anarchism, or any other political proposition for that matter, simply cannot be imposed or rewilded on stolen lands. While settler colonizer anarchists preserve the idea of America in their revolutionary imaginary, black anarchists such as Ashanti Alston, Huasi Balagun, Lorenzo Comboya Irving in the so-called U.S., have long articulated their deep concerns with anarchism's lack of racial analysis while struggling with propositions of black statist nationalism. In As Black as Resistance, Finding the Conditions of Liberation, William C. Anderson and Soe Samuzzi dig directly into this matter by asserting, quote, We're not settlers, but championing the creation of a black majoritarian nation-state 
where the fate of indigenous people is ambiguous at best, is an idea rooted in settler logic. They observe that, quote, Black American land politics cannot simply be built on top of centuries-old exterminatory settler logic of indigenous removal and genocide. Rather, the actualization of truly liberated land can only come about through dialogue and co-conspiratorial work with native communities and a shared understanding of land use outside of capitalistic models of ownership, end quote. The solidarity of stolen people on stolen lands is built through mutuality, consent, and breaking the manipulations of colonialism, capitalism, and white supremacy that have dispossessed all of us from indigenous ways of being. That American anarchist history and contemporary analysis is devoid of meaningful anti-colonial analysis and action speaks volumes to this concern. For all its aggressions towards the state, there are no excuses for its lack of implication of the overlying function of the first violences that compose America, and from which the continuity of its power flows to this day. Anarchism, as with all settler produced or adjacent political ideologies, has a compatibility issue with settler colonialism. In the recent past, settler colonizer anarchists continually excused themselves out of solidarity for indigenous struggles. From denouncements that indigenous struggles are nationalistic, which really is a projection by fragile settlers of national identities that have absolutely no correlation with indigenous social organizing other than with the likes of Republican and violent misogynist Russell Means, to outright attacks on the spiritual basis of indigenous relationality. If solidarity matters, settler colonizers have to confront their hang-ups. This is not to argue that indigenous peoples should be considered solely as candidates for political alliance. This goes beyond solidarity. It is an assertion that any liberatory impulse on these lands must be built around the fire of indigenous autonomy. Whether it's performative allyship through land acknowledgements or adopting the label accomplice, settlers need to implicate themselves fully into the destruction of their social order. Otherwise, we end up satisfied that it's going down and crime think, checkboxed anti-colonial as part of their politic and featured the occasional indigenous story that they share affinity with. It's meaningless unless it is a position that informs every part of their analysis and actions, not just when a radical indigenous moment occurs and they can attach their own analysis to it. We reject the identifier anarcho-indigenous for this reason. We are not an appendage of a revolutionary ideology or strategy for power for someone else's existence. We do not seek merely to be acknowledged as a hyphen to anarchism or any liberation or resistance politics only to be subsumed into its counter-movement against a dominant culture. The question of indigenous anarchism isn't one that we arrived at as corollary of or due to the shortcomings of white or settler anarchism. It isn't what it wasn't doing for us. It is a question arrived at in relation to the existence of the state, of the ongoing brutalities of civilization, of colonialism, capitalism, cis-heteropatriarchy, and white supremacy, and the desire for an existence without domination, coercion, and exploitation. From capitalism to socialism, the conclusion towards an affinity with anarchism is in part made due to the anti-indigenous calculations of every other political proposition. Marxism's theoretical inadequacy as a strategy for indigenous autonomy and liberation 
lies in its commitment to an industrialized worker-run state as the vehicle for revolutionary transformation towards a stateless society. Forced industrialization has ravished the earth and the people of the earth. To solely focus on an economic system rather than indict the consolidation of power as an expression of modernity has resulted in the predictions of anarchist critics like Bakunin to come true. The ideological doctrine of socialists tend towards bureaucracy, intelligentsia, and ultimately totalitarianism. Revolutionary socialism has been particularly adept at creating authoritarians. Anarchists simply see the strategy for what it is, a consolidation of power into political, industrial, and military force, pronouncing liberation to only be trapped in its own theoretical quagmire that perpetually validates its authoritarianism to vanquish economic and social threats that it produces by design. To be required to assume a role in a society that is premised on colonial, political, and economic ideology towards the overthrow of that system to achieve communalization is to require political assimilation and uniformity as condition for and of revolution. Marxist and Maoist positions demand it, which means they demand indigenous people to reconfigure that which makes them indigenous to become weapons of class struggle. The process inherently alienates diverse and complex indigenous social compositions by compelling them to act as subjects of a revolutionary framework based on class and production. Indigenous collectivities exist in ways that leftist political ideologues refuse to imagine, as to do so would conflict with the primary architecture of enlightenment and modernity that their civilized world is built on. This is why we reject the overture to shed our cultural bondage and join the proletariat dictatorship. We reject the gestures to own the means of production with our expectant assimilated role of industrial or cultural worker. Any social arrangement based on industrialization is a dead end for the earth and the peoples of the earth. Class war on stolen lands could abolish economic exploitation while retaining settler colonialism. We have no use for any politics that calculates its conclusion within the context of these kinds of power relations. As indigenous peoples, we are compelled to go deeper and ask, what about this political ideology is of us and of the land? How is our spirituality perceived and how will it remain intact through proposed liberatory or revolutionary processes? As any political ideology can be considered anti-colonial, if we understand colonialism only on its material terms as colonized forces versus colonizer forces. When the calculation is made, all other propositions such as communism, revolutionary socialism, and so forth become obsolete in that the core of their proposition cannot be reconciled with indigenous spiritual existence. Anarchism with its flaw legacy is dynamic enough to actually become a stronger position through the scrutiny. This is primarily due to the matter that as a tension of tensions against domination, anarchism has the unique character of resisting urges towards intransigence. It has been developed and redeveloped as a dynamic position that strengthens with its contortions. Anarchists have constantly looked inward and convulsed with and even celebrated their contradictions. This week's podcast was Thanks to Oshkox for the reading from the Anarchist Library, an excerpt from A Noble Against an Indigenous Anarchist Theory by Klee.
chanson que je fredonne, celle que tu chantais. 